Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Key Reese, and we are here to provide a little bit of distraction from the big old world event that's happening right now, the US election. Yeah, exactly. For anyone who was up all night like I was, constantly checking in on the news, even though it wasn't really changing. But don't worry, Key, because our first topic is going to fill that gap. <gasps> so true. Well, I better tell you what the deep dive is today. We are talking about villain edits. From Abby Chatfield to Luke Toki, are all reality TV villains created equally? But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. So as just discussed, the world is still awaiting the results of the 2020 US presidential election. And if you need to take a break from anxiously checking the numbers for Donald Trump and Joe Biden, here's a little destruction of some sweet celebrity moments that happened on the day. And key, these are just very low-key moments. I can't stress enough how inconsequential they are. But you know what I mean? There was a lot of upsetting images and, and results and, and chatter yesterday. People are very stressed. So in that time, we turned to some cute little celebrities to see what they're up to. So first First up spotted Sarah Jessica Parker and her husband, Matthew Brodnick, proudly walking their eldest child, 18-year-old son, James, to vote for the first time in New York, which kind of blew my mind because I thought that kid was still 10, but he's like a growing, mm. he's a growing man now, confronting. Also, Offset was photographed handing out hot meals on election day pop-ups events in Atlanta to people who were waiting in line for hours or people who didn't have a lot of access to food. But I think this is my favourite moment, and it's actress Mariska Hargitay, who was walking up and down the lines of people waiting to vote in New York and throwing cookies to them. And last but not least, I don't know if this counts as a cute celebrity moment, more of a weird one. (laughs) Kanye West conceded defeat. Did you remember he was running for president? He did. And he received 60,000 votes in his bid to become president. Yeah. And then he did a concession speech as if everyone was like, oh, is he going to win? Is he not? But he did come back and say that he'll be there to try again in 2024. Like, Lord bless me with the ambition that that man has. He's just seen this as a minor setback. I can't with him. But thank you for that little slither of positivity. I needed that because literally our office is on edge (laughs) right now. Well, anyone that's tuned into the Kyle and Jackie O show on the KISS FM network in recent years will probably have heard Kyle Sanderlands making some comments at the expense of Ellie Ochin. After salacious rumours emerged about her breakup with Bachelor in Paradise Beau Grant Kemp, Kyle seemed to become fixated on the goss that she'd cheated on him with one of Grant's mates. So, Kyle has frequently asked Bachelor rejects who come on his show about the scandal. He's even played a game with international celebs who wouldn't even know who Ali is to guess from three photos of Aussie women which cheated on their partner with their mate, then going into graphic detail to explain the story to them, worsening the spread of the rumour and giving Ali little chance to defend her reputation. 
That's why it's pretty significant change of heart to hear him actually apologise on air to Ali after she broke down on SAS Australia about the way the media has treated her and portrayed her since she became part of the Bachelor franchise. Here's what Carl had to say. I'm part of that culture that talked about you and I felt for the first time ever very remorseful about my part in that. So I just wanted to let you know that you suffered it. You had the anxiety and all that stuff and I felt like a piece of s*** for doing what I did, you know, because a lot of that happened on this show. So I just wanted to say from where I am to you, I regret that. You're crying. You don't realise until you see someone getting emotional about it. You think, oh, hang on a second, these are real people. I'm really surprised by Kyle Sanderlands because even though he's meant to be shocking, he does stay on script and on brand most of the time. So I am Mm. a little shocked that he kind of came out in this really heartfelt way. Maybe it's just indicative of where people are in 2020 now because we're seeing the results of all these people who have been bullied on air. I, I don't know. What do you think? I feel like he's on a bit of a redemption tour at the moment. I feel like he is changing. I think he's gone through some health struggles. You know how if you go through health struggles, it can really change your perspective on things? I honestly think that's happened to him and maybe he's just kind of realising the impact of what he's going to say. I don't think it's going to change him completely, Mm. but I like this new... Kyle. Oh my God, the redemption of Kyle Sanderlands. 2020 is That's a deep dive, honey. That's a year of surprises. I'm not ready for that. (laughs) Speaking of a bit of a tough year, I'm all about bringing the happy, distracting news today. So, Key, I was excited this morning when I saw that Who magazine had released their list of the sexiest people of 2020. So, as we've talked about before on the pod, sexiest people lists used to just be lots of photos of people really photoshopped and done up, people who kind of fit those societal standards of what is attractive. Obviously, that's Mm -hmm. not okay to do in 2020 anymore, which is a really good sign. So, now they're bringing in lots of people, like different diverse people who are sexy for different reasons, so their physical looks as well as their personalities and their work. So this list, it just includes a lot of amazing Australian women, some international women, but I thought we'd focus on the local ones because I think they've all really made an impact this year. So TV presenter and author Tanya Hennessy is in there and her quote's quite funny because she said, I'm thrilled, although I'm pretty sure I'm just here to make up numbers. I'm happy to be here and I think it's really cool to have diversity in the sexiest issue too. And if anyone follows her on Instagram, she's had a year-long campaign to be photographed shoeless because she thinks that that's like the epitome of success when you're in a magazine shoeless it shows and she's right every I've never noticed before she's always sharing these pictures on her Instagram of celebrities on magazine covers or in magazines and these beautiful dresses or outfits but shoeless and so her dream came true today which is just a, just a <gasps> win for all of us I feel that's so funny I also really liked model Fiona Faulkner and her fiance Haley Willis who have been sharing their beautiful IVF journey with the world this year and their comment was we feel sexiest when we're together I think they might be my favorite couple of 2020 their Instagram is just to die for and then we had actress and activist and author Nakia Louie friend of the pod we've had her on before who talked about being kind and compassionate is sexy very true but the kind of standout was Melissa Leong, who's the cover star for the issue. And her comments, I thought, were really interesting because she said she didn't believe it for a second. She still doesn't, that she's on the cover and she's kind of at this place. And then she said, I'm Chinese. I don't really know how to articulate this, but we're just not brought up to think about those elements being markers of success or markers of approval by society. But they are important to me. When I was asked to do this cover, I thought to myself, firstly, this is crazy. But secondly, just like the show, just like being on MasterChef and 
having so many people write to me and contact me and talk to me about what it means to see a face like mine finally in a position of power. I know this is about more than just me. This is for everybody who hasn't felt seen or adequately represented before. Wow, that's amazing. That's just a nice message. Yeah, she's amazing. She is so cool. So just a little bit of happiness on this quite stressful day. Lovely to meet you. What do you do? Uh, I'm an astrophysicist. Okay, I'm a Gemini. Um... Former Bachelorette turned podcast host and activist Abby Chatfield appeared on the latest episode of Reputation Rehab last night on the ABC, where she discussed her infamous villain edit in detail with the hosts. My sister is to blame, to be fair, because she was like, listen, if you have nothing to say, ask him what his star sign is. Walked up to Matt. We were talking for a bit. And then when he said it was an astrophysicist, I was like, and now is my chance. I looked around to the crew and I was like, I know this isn't the same thing. And then I said, what's your star sign? And then he said, I'm a Leo. And then I said, okay, I'm a Gemini. And then I said, as long as you're on a Capricorn. And then he was like, ha, 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 ha. But that's actually the that's conversation as it happened. Uh-huh. So, like, it's fine. Like, it's And it's like a funny thing. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. So while the idea of a villain edit isn't a new concept, it got us thinking about the different ways in which they are changing and if all reality TV villains are created equally. That's what I was thinking when watching this last night. The idea that someone can be edited to be a villain and that there are tricks that are used in terms of music or cutting up different bits of film, putting them together, or that idea of sitting people down and kind of asking them these blur of questions until they give you the answer that you want. I think that's not a new concept. Like we have, as an audience and as a media, we've kind of moved past thinking that's anything different or interesting. Mm -hmm. And so what's kind of interesting here is not the fact that they create villains, but the way they create them and the way that people react to them in a different way. And I think Abby Chatfield is such a kind of interesting example of that because when you look at her crimes, I guess, of one for a better word, her crime was that she was being too sexually promiscuous, that she was too in love with the man they were all there to be in love with and she was very overt about it. And when you stack that up against what other reality TV villains have done in the past, the kind of crimes they've all committed, I'm using crimes as just in a kind of inverted commas there, the crimes they've committed aren't equal of how they've been judged. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's also something in the portrayal of men versus women as well. And I'll use The Bachelor as the first example. For instance, The Bachelor and Bachelorette villains, there is a clear difference. So you mentioned Abby on The Bachelor also Alex Nation, two that were widely criticised for how sexual they were on the show about dating someone that you're trying to be with anyway. And then there was people like Kerry Maguire, Romy Pollier and Kat Hennessy who were painted as bitches because of their behaviour. But then I thought about the Bachelorette and the guys that go on there and the villains that are on there, like Jamie Dornan, Jess Glasgow, like creepy or misogynistic, and then Kieran and Tim, who were, you know, quote-unquote fuckboys. But it was more so like that boys will be boys narrative and, oh, they just don't want to settle down or whatever, or they're creepy or misogynistic. It isn't the same venomous 
I guess, character assassinations as something like being a slut or being a bitch is, I found that it was really gendered in the way that they create the villains there. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. It's like what we've seen now after having a few seasons of that particular franchise in Australia is that to be a villain on The Bachelor, the women either have to be very overtly in love or very open about their sexuality, or they can just have that kind of princess edit where you've got Kira Maguire saying like peasants or Lorena mm. Fleur saying like that she did didn't want to eat a pie, you know, which are all quite small moments. But if you're seen to be anything other than completely in love, kind of almost virginal and very so grateful to be there, you get a villain edit. Mm. Whereas with the Bachelorette franchise, the men are being sent home for things like you're saying, like being misogynist or being quite aggressive or in like Angie Ken's season, you know, being kind of like very uncomfortable during that photo shoot and making really sexist, misogynist comments. And we hold those two things up equally. Like we hold up a woman who says that she was unhappy with a date and a man who makes aggressive, misogynist comments, both as villains, but not all villains are created equal and their edits certainly aren't. Even Survivor, a show that kind of celebrates villains, kind of only celebrate male villains. Brooke Jowett was amazingly strategic, still one of my favourite players to this day. She appeared on the show for the first time back in 2016. And for her first run on the show, she was very much a mean girl. She had a strong five-person alliance that was toppled when her bestie Flick blindsided her. And I still reckon that is one of the best bloody plays (laughs) in Survivor history. She did not see it coming and it was a thrill to watch. But Everyone hated her. She was too ruthless, too powerful, and there was very much this mean girl narrative. But then if you think about the male villains on the show, people like Jericho Malabonga, David Gannett, and then Luke Toki, who relish, literally relish in being evil and strategic, and they're fully celebrated for it. It's like this cutesy thing like, oh, they're so evil, look what they're going to do, whereas I feel like Brooke was really like unfairly treated. She's since had her redemption and she said it's really nice coming out after she appeared on Survivor All-Stars and having that tide kind of change in the public of how they viewed her, which I think is great for her. But still, when you break it down, it's quite, it's quite obvious. Yeah, exactly. But I think, yeah, that that comes down to the difference in the sexualities, but also in the franchise, because obviously survivors that we're wanting to see people blindside each other mm. or they're there to win a game. Whereas in The Bachelor, you have to pretend you're not there to win, but you're just there for some moral reason, even though they're both reality mm. shows that have a winner at the end. But what I also thought was really interesting about the Reputation Rehab episode from last night is they had Maz Farrelly on, who is one of the kind of premier reality TV producers. She's worked on so many different shows and she is kind of really known for being able to get these really interesting edits out of people. But even she said, we can't make you do something if you're not doing it. We're not that clever. It's very difficult. You never see yourself as you are and you never see yourself 24 hours a day and you think that everyone will love you. She's a former journalist and she also talked about the different ways they ask people questions to get them to have a different reaction. So she knows how to coax people into saying something, but she's like, we actually can't force you to do something and film it. Or if we did, it can't be part of the show. And I think that goes against what people who come off these shows say is that I was edited in a particular way. And it's something that we're kind of seeing a little bit now with SAS Australia. We had Erin McNaught on the show yesterday and she brought up the fact that for Estorani, who's an actor, 
Sheeran, who's appearing on that show, has been talking on Instagram saying that he's been given the villain edit. But she said, you know, he did all those things. He said those things. He acted that way at camp. And that's why the footage is there. We've gone from this idea when reality TV first became a thing and, and thinking that everyone is a villain if they're given a particular edit. But now we're going the other way, thinking everyone's being edited to be a villain. But there's two different stories going on. Some people actually do go on there and do villainous behaviour. Although I, I do think the word villain shouldn't be used in reality TV, even though we're using it, because that's a pretty intense word for someone. It's <laughs> such an intense word that we just throw around. Exactly. Villain, to me, comes from, you know, like old storybooks and stuff of someone who would take down a country or kill people or, you know what I mean? Like that kind of really like evil, evil person. Not someone who's come on a reality show and just exhibited a little bit of bad behaviour. There is something also in that I think the contestants that are going on the show are much wiser as we are as the audience to how they're manipulated by producers. I think that's probably why we've seen a spike in in some of the footage being edited together to create drama. And I think that that has had a direct impact on the nature of villains speaking out after filming. Because typically we wouldn't hear from these villains after the show. And that was, I think, due to their contracts. But when something is completely manufactured, that's when I think some of these people are just refusing to let it go and speaking out. And they obviously have great platforms that they can reach people. And also I think the tide is changing. We're now much smarter about it. So we want to give them the time to really speak about that. And this bad edit language becomes really popular. I think that's for us as Angle, but it's like really clear that he's not a team player and was just like not an easy guy to get along with. I know. But even even having that conversation, I do agree with what Erin said yesterday in that idea. But even then, we're still putting these people into boxes for their behaviour. And I still don't think we've got to the right place with that yet. Because even if you look at something like Married at First Sight, which is notorious for churning out villains, they have all these people and they're specifically men making, you know, sexist comments or being aggressive. And then stories come out about that later. And we're still calling that an edit when it's just bad behaviour that's come out on TV. But then if we don't see that behaviour, do we turn a blind eye to it? It's such a complicated conversation. Now that we know not all reality TV villain edits are created equal, what is the place of the reality TV villain going forward? Because it's dangerous to have them on TV, but it's also dangerous to cover up their behaviour. And then as we're seeing with Abby Chatfield and everyone else who's in that arena, it has such a negative impact on their life to the point where they're getting death threats and having suicidal thoughts. So it's almost like, where do we go from here? Oh, I just love it when you end a segment like that. We will link it to the episode of Reputation Rehab in our show notes. Watch it. It is really interesting. Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. You can get in contact with us by emailing us at thespillatmamamia.com.au. And if you have time, please rate and review us. It means that we can find more spillers to listen to the podcast. This episode of The Spill is produced by Emma Gillespie. We'll see you on Mamma Mia. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.